This is the Austin Life Church podcast. For more information, please visit us at austinlifechurch.com. If you want to grab your, your Bible, if you have one, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. Um, if you don't have a copy of the scriptures, if you don't own one, there's some Bibles on that table in the back. There's also some out, out yonder. Um, you are free to grab one and take it um, as yours. If you've got some friends or a neighbor or someone that, that you're like, I don't think they have one, take it and give it away. Um, we are happy to replenish Bibles. Um, so feel free to, to, give those, to give those away. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. Uh, so over the last several weeks, um, we have been making the point from the scriptures. It's not our points. Um, there are many, many people for, for hundreds of years ahead of us who've been saying the same thing, but ultimately it comes from the author of all things, that we as people desire to live life to the full. And we don't really have to do a whole lot of introspective thinking to know that, yes, please, I would like today to be the best it possibly can be. Right? I would like for my life, if you're going to give me two options, one is great and one is not so great, I'm going to pick the great option. There, there's this AT&T commercial um, back in the day where it's, it's got, um, I, I should have shown it, I've shown it before, right? But it's got like the guy that's sitting around, he's talking to kids that are like six or something. And they're like, who, you know, is more better? And they're like, yes, more's better. And they're like, why? And this little girl's like, because we want more. Like, because we want, we want more. Like this little, she gets it, right? Like we as people, we, we want more. And, and the, so here's, here's the spiritual battle going on, right? We want more, and the reason we're created to desire more is because God is the more. Like, God is the fullness of life. God is the ultimate. And so we're created to want more so that we would seek after God, so that we would continually want more and more and more of, of God, that we would give him glory. And in that, we actually get filled up right? We're, we're created for the fullness of life, and the fullness of life is in loving God and giving him glory. But then we have this lying, deceiving snake called the devil, whose sole objective, and I love the lyrics of that second song. I, I don't know why it just hit me today. The sole objective is to deceive us to think that anything other than God in his way is good for life, that it's going to satisfy us and fill us up, right? So, so you have the original temptation, which is, hey, hey, a piece of fruit, right? Like fruit's a good thing. It's good to have in your diet. If you don't eat fruit, let me go ahead and encourage you to eat some fruit. It's good for the body. It tastes fantastic, most of it. Some fruits are not. Is a tomato a fruit? Okay, that's so weird. They're still good though. So I know some people are like, ew, tomatoes, right? But, but you know, fruits are, fruit is good. It's a good thing. So you look at it and you're like, man, the devil is tempting them with a piece of fruit. Like, whoa, naughty, you know, don't eat the fruit. It's not so much the fruit, it's that they chose their own way rather than God's. God said, hey, don't do this. And they said, God, I think that I know better I know you say this, I know you say trust me, I know you say this, but man, this surely is okay, right? And that's what the devil's trying to get us to think, right? It's like, oh man, like this is surely okay. If I just compromise a little bit, if I just step in the gray, like that's okay? And that's what the devil does to blind us from seeing the wonder and the fullness of God. And so that's the spiritual war that is happening right now within each one of us. 
And our stories may look a little different of what we think pulls us into life or, 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 or what our temptations are, but the reality is, right, that we're, we're all chasing the fullness of life and, and we all have our things that we think will fill us. You know, maybe our fruit, our temptation is money, right? Like money, it just, it just drives us. It's hard for us to be, to be generous with it. It's hard for us to hold on loosely. We're thinking about it a lot. We're planning for like what, what really fills us up is knowing that we have this savings account that if everything falls apart, we're gonna be okay, that we're gonna be able to leave it to our kids. You know, not bad things, but, but if we start looking for those to be our fullness, we're gonna find that, man, at some point that it's gone. It, it just, it doesn't go with us. I think for a lot of us, our, our fruit, what we look for outside of God is uh, relationships, right? Is the validation or approval of others. We want to posture ourselves like we got it all together, right? We don't want people to look at us and think like, gosh, man, they are a knucklehead. You can't rely on them for anything, right? Like we want to put our best foot forward because we want people to think highly of us. And, and the validation and approval of others is what we we think is gonna either fill us or empty us. If I don't have validation from others, then I'm, man, I'm, I'm on the bottom. But if people are speaking highly of me, then, then I'm doing great. And we start to trust too much in the approval or validation of others to, to fill us. Comfort, right? We just wanna be comfortable. We don't want things to be awkward. Like I can't have this conversation with someone because that's gonna be uncomfortable. And then I got to go work with them tomorrow, and pff, that's awkward. And we start to value comfort over doing the right thing because we think, gosh, I got to have this comfort. So we all have these various things, man. Maybe you're like me, and you're like, yep, yep, check, 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 D, all of the above, right? Like maybe that's your, your challenge, like me. But, but what the Bible tells us, Psalm 1611, David writes that that God has made known to us the path of life. God has not held it back from us. God is not keeping it from us, but he has made known to us the path of life. And in his presence is the fullness of joy. Now we're never, until we are, we are in heaven, we're never gonna fully know that. But here's the incredible thing. Here's the incredible thing. We today, I believe the scripture tells us that we today can know God we can have the fullness of joy today. What we know from scripture though is that it's not the ceiling, right? Tomorrow, because God is so incredible, can be more. And then the next day, because God is so incredible, can, can be more. And the next day, because God is so incredible, can be more. And for all of eternity, we will never hit the ceiling of the increasing abundance of joy that is in God, right? I know that our minds can't fathom that because we live in a world of limits, but this limitless God will never stop blowing our minds. We will never get unsatisfied. We'll never get to the place where we're like, gosh, I've had amazing abundance too much. Can you give me something else? It will always increase because in him is the fullness of joy. And in case we're like, man, well, that's, that's just poetry in Psalm 16, right? That's just David writing a pretty song or something, right? Well, Jesus in John 10, 10 said, hey, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Remember that battle? But I have come that you would have life. But then he adds the superlative and have it abundantly. 
That, that Greek word of abundance is like a cup that, that fills to the top and then someone just never turned off the water and it just continues to pour and it's just like overflowing. It never ends. That's the idea of abundance. That, that Jesus didn't just come to like fill our cup up halfway or even to the top. Jesus turned it on and intends to never turn it off. To have this abundance that is in the presence of God. Now what we know today, again, is that we're not there yet. We're on, we're on a journey. That today we can have the fullness, but then tomorrow there can be more. And so today we wanna talk about having more of God, being filled more and more and more in the presence of God. And we wanna talk about doing practical things that will help us grow in that, that will help fill us even more. And so today we wanna talk about the practical, spiritual practice of fasting, of intentionally removing something from our lives so that we can be filled more with the presence and power of God. So when I mention the, the spiritual discipline of fasting, um, what are your, any initial thoughts come to mind? Anybody that you'd be okay with sharing through your mask? Talkative group, good, good. This is like community group, right? Where you ask a question and everybody's silent and you're like, I'll wait this out. We can do this. We can do this all day. Anybody initial thoughts? Fasting? Food? Like, give me more of it. I want food. Don't take my food away. Cheeseburgers? Amen. Come on, dude. Speaking my language. Anybody else? Fasting? Anything come to mind? Prayer? Health benefits? That's right. Yep. Weakness. I think of a time in college where I tried it for the first time and I was just angry. Like I was just angry about it. I hated it. I mean, I think there's a lot of thoughts that come to mind with, with fasting and, and it, I think it's okay to have mixed feelings, right? To have bad experiences, to, to not really understand what is it? Is this like, are we now like stepping onto some fringe like religion here? What are we doing? Um, I think it's okay to have mixed views, but, but we don't have to stay there. So what is fasting? Fasting is the intentional and temporary removal of something good from your life for the specific purpose of gaining something better. Fasting is the intentional and temporary removal of something that is in and of itself good, or at least not bad, right? It could go either way. Um, it's the intentional and temporary removal of that so that you, you make space for, so that you can focus more on gaining something that you perceive to be as, as better. Intermittent fasting, right? Health benefits. There's this health idea of, okay, I will temporarily fast. You're going to eat again, but I will intentionally and temporarily move food away so that I can either lose weight or help um, create a new eating lifestyle, right? There's a health benefit that comes with, with fasting. Um, some people will do like a, a political fast, a protest, a hunger strike. I am not going to fast. I'm going to temporarily put food away, although there's the intention that food will come back again, so that I can gain political power, so that I can gain um, some, some perspective or, or voice to be heard in, in a matter. Um, during Ramadan, Muslims will fast from sunup to sundown 
so that they can gain more favor with Allah, so that they can grow closer to him. And so I think food is probably the most commonly thought of thing when it comes to fasting. Um, and that's because for the bulk of history, um, people didn't have what we have necessarily to fast from, right? They didn't have as many options to fast from things. Now we've got a lot more options to fast from. So TV, right? We can, we can fast from watching TV from Monday to Friday, and we're only gonna watch TV maybe on Saturday or Sunday, right? Like we can temporarily remove something that is in and of itself not bad for the purpose of creating more time for something else, for something that we wanna gain. Social media, it can be something that we, we temporarily fast from, although if it becomes a permanent thing, you will not find me complaining about that. Um, but, but we can temporarily fast from something that in and of itself is not necessarily bad um, so that maybe we have more focus for, for something else. There's um, one of the fighting Texas Aggie football players. Um, I know that y'all love when I talk about the Aggies. Um, he was like, no more social media for the rest of the year, right? He had to lock in. You know, he needed, didn't need those distractions from all of his tweets and whatnot. Um, and so he fasted from that. But fasting is the intentional and temporary removal of something good um, so that we can gain something better. If there's the removal of something from your life, but it wasn't intentional, that's not fasting, that's just forgetting. Right, like there, there's a difference. There's like, oh, I forgot to do that. I'll call that fasting. No, 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 that's just forgetting. Um, that's not fasting. If, if there's the uh, removal or a, you know, of something that is bad, that is negative, like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop smoking cigarettes. Um, that's, that's just a lifestyle change, right? Like that's not necessarily fasting. That's like, hey, I'm done with this, never to bring it back again, right? That's, that's not fasting. Um, if there's the removal of, of sin, right? Like, I'm going to stop doing drugs now. Um, that's repenting, right? That's not necessarily fasting, right? That's what God calls us to all the time. So fasting is something that is intentional and, and in, is, is it in and of itself is, is typically good. But it's, it's putting it away for the purpose of gaining something better. So why are we talking about fasting here? Let's look at Matthew 6. So this is in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is giving his famous Sermon on the Mount to his disciples and to any who have gathered who wish to be his disciples, right? So he is speaking to the context of, of the church, of people who are wanting to, to follow him or who are saying that they are following him. So let's see this. In verse two, Jesus says, thus, when you give to the needy, Sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Let me ask you a question. If you're just reading those verses, if you're sitting, to Jesus, if you're sitting there and Jesus is saying these things to you, which... Lo and behold, he is saying those things to us in the same way. He, he's just using me to verbally communicate the words at this point since he is now in heaven. Um, Jesus is saying these words. Would you assume as a Christian that Jesus is expecting we will give to the needy? Right, like, okay, that, you would assume that, right? He, he didn't necessarily say, give to the needy. Thou shalt give to the needy. It, it was all, it was a, it was an expectation, right, that Jesus would assume, okay, let's keep going. 
Verse five, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Break, stop. Same question. If you're sitting there, if we're sitting here, we're listening to Jesus speak to us. If, if, we are, if you say, I am a Christian, I want to follow Jesus, would you expect that, that Jesus expects us to pray? When we read this, right, like a, it, you're going to have a tough argument to be like, I don't know, I think it's optional, right? Like, J- Jesus clearly expects that as a Christian, we're going to be praying, and so he gives us instructions on how to do that. Okay, let's keep going. Let's go down to verse 16. So he goes and he says, when you get to the needy, when you pray, verse 16, and when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received the reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Same question. We're sitting here listening to Jesus speak to us. When he says these verses, would you as a Christian, someone who wants to follow Jesus, would you then assume, okay, Jesus expects me to fast. If we will say Jesus expects me to give to the needy, cool, I'm down. Jesus expects me to pray, I'm in. Jesus expects me to fast, and yet I'm guessing you, just like me, that is one of the least, if ever, practiced steps of obedience with God and yet Jesus seems to just assume that as a Christian along with prayer we're going to fast turn a couple pages to Matthew chapter 9 verse 14 Then the disciples of John came to him saying, why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? They're asking Jesus this question. Why do your disciples not fast, Jesus? What's up? And Jesus said to them, can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. Let's look at the last five words of that verse again, verse 15. And then they will fast fast. Jesus is talking about that as long as he's there, they they don't need to fast because they have his presence. But once he's gone, then they will fast. It, It seems very simple Bible study that Jesus expects that Christians will fast. Jesus expects it to be a normal part of their life. He expects that Christians are going to intentionally remove something good from their life for the purpose of gaining something else. To follow him, to say, yes, Jesus, I am yours, I am following you, I I, I give my life to you, includes, at least at part, times of fasting where we intentionally remove something so that we could gain something better. So why does Jesus want us to fast? Is it for health benefits? Is it for a hunger strike? 
You know, is it so that we can, you know, focus and concentrate and do better at our, our football games or our jobs or whatever? Why does, what is our purpose of fasting? Because remember, if there's not a purpose, it's just forgetting, right? If you're not doing something for a reason, you're just aimlessly forgetting something. So what is the purpose that Jesus has for us to fast? And the answer is out of a hunger for more of God. Jesus wants us to fast. The, what what he, he tells us and what he demonstrates from his own life even is that we fast in order to, to pursue more of God because we want to be filled with him, that we will empty ourselves of one thing so that we make space and time and energy to be filled with more of the presence of God because we know he is the fullness of life. His presence is everything that I possibly want. Therefore, I will remove something so that I can have more of him. We fast as Christians because we're hungry and desire God. Right, Jesus, we, Jesus said, well, my disciples in, in Matthew 9, my disciples, they're not going to fast while I'm here. They, they, they have me. They have my, my presence in full. But when I'm gone, then they will, they will mourn. They will long for my presence again. They will want to be near me. And so they will fast because they want, they want more of me because they've tasted and seen how good I am and nothing else has the same flavor and so they'll fast because their hearts desire more of me. Christian fasting is very, it's God-oriented. Right, if you go back to Matthew 6 when Jesus is giving instructions on fasting in, in verse 16 to 18, it's very God-oriented. Right, he, he tells them to, to fast in, in secret, to, to not like, you know, show disfigurement in your face, right? To not walk around and be like, oh my gosh, I'm so hungry because I'm fasting for God. You know, like, you know, just go about your normal life, right? Take a shower, wash your face, clean up. Don't, don't draw attention to yourself. Fasting is God-oriented. It is God-focused. It is a heart that simply wants more of God, not attention on self. And so Jesus' point is not necessarily like, oh, if anybody knows that you're fasting, failure. Failure. Because in Acts 13, the, the elders actually fast together. I'm pretty certain they knew they were fasting. In the Old Testament, God commands all of Israel to fast. Right, there's communal church-wide fasting. Jesus is getting to the heart of the matter. Why are you fasting? What's your purpose? Is it because you're God-oriented and you want more of him? If you want something else from your fasting, that's not a bad thing, that's fine. If you have health reasons, or if you do, you wanna, you wanna you know, get rid of other distractions so you can focus here, that's fine. It's just not Christian fasting. Christian fasting is the removal of something so that I can make more space to be filled with God. It is emptying myself of one thing so that God can fill me. It's pursuing him. This is key to Christian fasting. If my motivation is so that I'll be seen or, or so that I can test myself and see how strong I am to stick to my word my motivation is no longer because I, I want more of him my motivation is really I want, I want more of me so we've got to ask ourselves what, what is the motivation for why we're fasting 
Christian fasting, the fasting that Jesus would expect from us is a fasting that hungers and wants more of God. You may ask, like, well, what if, what if I'm just, I really don't want to? I get that, right? Like, I, I like to eat. I like to eat frequently. I like to always have food around, actually. Like, just always. And sometimes that's hard. Have you ever, have you ever been in a sport or school or a band or anything and you've got to practice? We're talking about practice. We're talking about practice. That's an old basketball reference for all of you sports lovers. Steven, I know you got that one. Yep. Practice isn't always fun. I mean, there's a lot of times you're like, I would like to skip practice and, and, and go eat a burrito, you know? But, but because the goal, because what we ultimately desire, which is to win or to win championships, because that so motivates us, sometimes we do the things that we don't necessarily want to do because the greater want is what is driving us. Sometimes because we want God enough, our flesh and our desire may not really want to do it, but dadgummit, I want him enough that I will even do the things I don't want to do because I know that I want him enough and it will result in greater reward with him. So I think sometimes it's okay to be like, gosh, I really don't want to, but I do want God enough. I do want him more. Therefore, I'm going to do this. The feelings start to, they'll, they'll, they'll catch up. They'll catch up. So we gotta know our desire first. The, the second reason for why we fast is to shine the light of truth on things that may have become God's substitutes. Right, when I start talking about not eating, Man, I start to get angry, right? Like anybody else just starts to get hangry there. Those, those stomach pains come along and you're like, I will cut you if you just shut the door, do not disturb, leave me alone, right? Like, and so we, we, start to get, man, we start to get angry. And so what that can do is it can start to shine the light on what does our heart truly think we need to be filled. What, what am I kind of holding on tightly to God I'm all yours I surrender all but don't take my food you know food's not a bad thing are we willing to let go of it though for more of him we, we start to see when God's like hey I want you to lay this down for me we start to see perhaps things that have become God's substitutes that we think we need in order to be satisfied or to be filled we think we need food in order to be satisfied. It's impossible for me to be happy, to be content, to be joyful if I don't have three meals a day. We start to see the, the God substitutes. Take social media. Man, I, first few times when I like got rid of it for a little bit, I would find my, my thumb literally going to the place where the app was and I'd be like, oh gosh, it's not there anymore. Right? We, we start to see these things, but what it really started to do was started to shine the light on my fear of approval, of missing out, right? Like, what if people are doing things that I don't know about? What if, here, here's one, here's one, here's one. What if my friends got engaged and I don't tell them thank you? Then they'll probably think that I'm a bad friend and I don't really care for them because I didn't comment on their post like, oh, this is beautiful, I'm so excited for you. Right, well, what, if, what if I, no one is commenting on how, how beautiful I look in this picture? 
What if I don't get the likes that I wanted? What, what if, like, social media does an amazing job of shining the light on how much we really think of ourselves? We start to find those uncomfortable feelings a little bit. Let me ask you this. If you have social media, why would you not delete it for a while? Your life will be just fine without it. You'll be able to have meaningful relationships. You'll be able to do your job. You'll be able to get your school done. There was a time when it didn't exist. And, and life, life, I think, went okay. So why would you not? If you were to fast from it, would it start to shine the light on the things that have become God's substitutes for you? Things that you think you need in order to be satisfied the approval or validation of other people. First Corinthians, it encourages for married couples to fast from sex for short periods of time. Fast from things that are, that are pleasurable, things that bring comforts. Because in that, we start to see, man, does my heart really hold tightly to these things? Would I be okay if God took that away? Would I be okay? Would I be satisfied in my marriage if, if God made it where we could never have sex again? If some tragic accident, could I still be satisfied and content and in love with this person because God is all that I need and he gives me everything I need to love them? We start to see those God substitutes. We start to know who we really are, what we really love, what we would not do so well with being taken away. That's a beautiful reason for fasting. It's to discover those things. Those are the top two reasons that I believe the Bible shows us, that Jesus shows us for fasting is, is to be God-oriented, right? to, to better focus on him, to, to tell God, I want more of you and I'm willing to lay down food or media or whatever it is for more of you. God, I'm willing to give up good things for the better thing. The greatest enemy of best is good. We get a hold of good and we're like, I'm good with good. And then we settle for best. We settle for what God has for us. Fasting is saying, no, 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 I am not gonna settle for something that is just good. I'm gonna grab hold of what is best because God invites me to have more of him and to see that he's better than anything else this world has to offer. We fast because we want Jesus to return, because we long for his presence, because we want him to be with us in the flesh, because we know that when that happens, everything will be made right again. Fasting is a heart that hungers for God and is willing to lay aside anything else to have him. Other reasons that we see in the Bible for why people fast, and I'm just gonna go through these quickly. You can, if you want to, write down the references and then we can look it up. But um, one is to increase our prayer life. Um, fasting in Ezra 8.23, fasting is a move of faith. It's, it's that lyric um, at the end of the song that said, um, gosh, how did it go? Um, if you're not here, I don't want to be. I won't be moved unless you move, right? Like it's that kind of, I'm digging my heels in the ground here and I'm not going anywhere unless you're here, Jesus. Fasting is that. I want you more than anything. It, it puts an urgency to our prayer life. 
right? It becomes this reminder, gosh, I don't want food, I want God. And so it increases, it, it increases our prayer life. Um, two, to seek God's guidance. In Acts 13, um, verses 1 through 3, the church in Antioch was going to send out church planters. And so before they did, they prayed and they fasted together. They said, God, we don't want other distractions. We want to hear from you. Who do we send? And they prayed and fasted. To express grief and repentance in Jonah chapter 3, verses 5 through 8, Nineveh, when Jonah finally gave in to God's will and went and preached the gospel to Nineveh, their response, the whole city was in fasting and repentance. They were grieved by their sin. They were grieved and they, so they, they, they didn't have time for food. They just, they just fell before the Lord and they fasted in repentance. They grieved what they had done against God. Esther 4.16, to plead for deliverance or rescue, Esther asks the people of Israel to fast and to pray for her deliverance. Matthew 4, 1 through 11, we see Jesus fasting to fight spiritually and to overcome temptation. And he's tempted by the devil. He's fasting and he's praying and he, it's in that fasting and that nearness to God that he overcomes the temptations of the devil. Isaiah 58, we see that fasting is to empathize with the sufferings and brokenness of the world and to create space to care for the needy and the poor. It's to empathize with the suffering of the world. To share in the sufferings of Christ. And to care for those around us. Fasting is incredibly biblical. Jesus fasted. Jesus expected that we as his followers would fast. And we do so when to intentionally remove something and to seek more of him, to ask for his presence to fill us. We hunger for God, therefore we will not hunger for other things. That's why we fast, is for more and more of his presence. It is for us. It is for better. It's for abundance. We fast because we want more of him. So how do we fast? First, make sure the reasoning is for God. All right, if we're gonna fast, one, make sure that our heart is for more of him. Ask God to search you, to know you, to try you. If it's more of his presence, more of clarity to hear from him, more of his will, more of his power, more of God, then the heart for fasting is good. That's why, that's why Jesus said, do it in secret. Again, it wasn't so that, oh, no one else can know. It's so that their hearts would be true and for God alone. Right, that was the first motivation is make sure that our hearts are right. Two, determine what you will fast from and for how long. So very practical, right, at this point. What are you gonna fast from and, and how long? Um, I would maybe recommend like a, a, uh, a sundown to sundown. So if you're gonna do food, eat dinner, and then after that, begin your fast and break the fast at next dinner. So maybe you do sundown to sundown. But if you're doing food and this is new for you, you just wanna do like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna skip lunch, right? Like I'm gonna eat breakfast and then fast until dinner. Okay, like the technicalities again are not what, what God is so like, hey, you gotta get this technicality right. He actually gives very de few details on the technical specifics of how to fast. He wants our hearts to hunger for him and to be willing to lay aside other things for more of his presence. 
So, so figure out what is it that you're gonna fast from and for how long. Could be food, it could be social media, could be TV, right? Maybe you're not gonna, you're not gonna watch TV or Netflix or, or whatever it is on you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. You know, whatever it is, right? It's, it's, God's, it's up to you. What is something good? What is something that, that is okay to put back into your life that you can temporarily and intentionally put aside so that you can more focus on him? So choose what it is um, and make it regular. All right, like Jesus' prayer. We don't pray once and then be like, cool, that was a good experiment, done. You know, we don't give once and then be like, did it, Jesus, we're set. Right, like this, this is something that Jesus expects would be a regular routine. So find some sort of regularity to it. It could be weekly, right? It could be monthly. You know, there could be different ways that you, you fast, but make it a regular practice of purpose. Make it a regular practice of purpose. Now then, so it's one thing to remove one th- something, let's say food, but now we also have to put in God. So it's one thing to, to remove food, but if all I do is spend that time, right, like thinking about food or daydreaming about food or like planning out my recipes or whatever, or, or if I just spend that time like, oh, I skipped lunch, so now I'm just going to work more, right? Like th- then we're not replacing that with God. That, that's, a different, that's a fast for a different purpose. If our fasting is for more of God, we remove something so that we can then spend that time or that energy on that focus looking Godward. So perhaps it's, okay, I'm not eating lunch, so my lunch break is gonna be spent you know, praying or reading or prayer walking or writing notes of encouragement to people. Right? It's going to be a Godward focus. I'm gonna skip breakfast and lunch, so I'm gonna go serve at the angel house so that I can serve breakfast and lunch to the, to the needy. Right? So what is it that we're going to put God in? We're going to replace that space with, with more of him. So the easiest thing right, is, is prayer. We don't have to go anywhere. Like We don't have to plan for stuff. We can just pray. We can listen. We can read. We can journal. But it, Christian fasting removes something for the purpose of adding more of him in, of making ourselves available and ready for more of him. That doesn't mean, right, if you're gonna fast for 24 hours, that means you're 24 hours, you're locked in, and you're like, okay, I can't, I, I can't help with the kids, babe. I'm fasting, right? Like, no, that's, that's also not loving God to then be negligent to other things. But it does mean that I'm creating more space. It does mean when I'm fasting and my stomach growls that that is going to be a reminder I'm praying. Right? That becomes my alarm clock, my internal alarm and reminder. Stomach growls, I'm praying. For me, I'm gonna be praying a lot if that's the case, right? It's like, dang, my stomach is growling nonstop. But it becomes that reminder. When you pick up your phone and you're going to go to Instagram, but you deleted it, boom, that's your reminder. Why is that not there? Because I'm going to pray. And we pray, right? We spend, we spend 30 seconds, 60 seconds reorienting our minds and our hearts towards God. Does that make sense? So we remove something and we use that to intentionally remind us and, in, and to put more of God into our lives. That is why we fail.
take your dog. I can't tell with the mask if you're like glaring at me or what. I don't know what's happening. Like, just give me something that tells me that came from your dad. So, does fasting work? It, does it work? Gosh, from the hearts of children. I love it. That's why Jesus was like, let the kids come to me because these adults are knuckleheads. <laughs> Here's, here's the thing. God's promises are yes, 100% of the time. He's not going to expect or command something of us that he's not going to then follow up on. If our hearts and motives are pure and not selfish, then yes, I believe that fasting will work in that we will, we will have more of his presence. We'll have more of him. We'll see him more clearly. We will love him more. So how do we know that? Because we've already seen it through Jesus. That, that in Jesus, God demonstrated at the greatest level that he would give us his best. That he would give us his son so that we could be filled with his presence. So Jesus came in order to remove the negative, to remove the things that don't satisfy in our lives. He came to die on the cross so that our sins, so that anything that is not of God can be forgiven and buried in the tomb. And then he rose from the dead and he ascended to heaven. And Jesus is alive today and he offers us, hey, you wanna know the fullness of life? You wanna be filled? It's by faith in me, and my spirit will fill you beyond what you can even imagine. Jesus has already demonstrated the pattern that God fills the hungry. That, that when we hunger and thirst for righteousness, you will be filled. Those are the words of Jesus himself. So in Jesus, we know that God fills the hungry that God fills the empty, that God heals the broken, that God gives life to the lifeless. And when we empty ourselves and trust him, his promise is yes, 100% of the time, that he will fill you with himself. And so, I don't know what your experience with fasting has been. Mine has not been great had bad experiences in college. I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know why to do it. My motivation was purely for myself. Had some good experiences not long ago. But if your motivation is, God, I want more of you, if that's truly what your heart desires, he's not so hung up on the technicalities of it. He's going to bless us with himself every time. And so my encouragement, Jesus' encouragement, if you are a Christian, when you fast, whatever pattern and rhythm that looks like, when you fast, whatever it is you fast from, set your heart towards him and he will satisfy you. That is the promise I believe that God gives us through fasting. So may we be a people and a church that hunger for God, hunger and thirst for righteousness because he will satisfy you. 
Thanks for tuning in to the Austin Life Church podcast. To help support us, please take a second to rate and review us on iTunes and visit us at austinlifechurch.com.